Welcome to the Christmas Winish Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle festive fan podcast. The podcast that is saying on this ninth day of Christmas, my true upside to me, nine ladies dancing, eight maids and milking, and that is still fewer numbers than Roy Mayweather's planning for the January transfer window. Coming up on this festive feast of fun, Queen's Dundee and Alloa analysis, we look ahead, view from the Alloa Terrace, behind the ICT scenes, Gremlins, Santa Sack, 26 years worth of tenuous and laboured Inverness puns, and some much needed Christmas cheer from lots of lovely heroes like this guy. Hi, this is David Raven, and I'd just like to wish all the Inverness fans a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. There's it! Welcome, one and all. I'm Andrew Moffat, and this is the Christmas Wine is Shuffle, and joining me is a cast of Christmas characters. Tiny Tim, Andrew Young, hello. Yo ho ho. Krampus, Ross McKenzie, hello. All right. And Bad Santa, Stevie Riley, how you doing? Ho ho ho. And of course, you heard the legend David Raven at the top of the pod there. A few more familiar faces will be popping by with a few messages for everybody listening throughout the pod. So in the last three weeks, we had Kennedy, McGregor and Story becoming the three kings of the South by annihilating Queens. It was all holy shite when Dundee got their late equaliser and just recently in the bleak midwinter at Alwa. But gentlemen, what has brought joy to your world in the last few weeks? So for me, before I'd written this, I'd seen the news that the Scottish government had given us a nice little 500k Christmas bonus. So I think... That's a decent Highland highlight for us. But for me, it was fans back in attendance, albeit it's cut short now. But um, I think all of us are jealous of the guys up in Tier 1 that can go to a game. But it's still nice to see some of the fans back in the stands. And hopefully, when restrictions are lifted again, we can see them back in. Because I think it does make a difference when you're even watching on a stream to see some fans in the terracing. So that's my Highland highlight of the recent times. Off the field, I mentioned the £500 grant. It's £500, sorry, £500k grant as well. <laughs> I think hopefully that really releases some of the kind of worries of the board and other clubs in the league, you know. Uh, and on the field, it was just a performance in Dumfries. It was just brilliant to watch a team that looked like they really enjoyed playing football and enjoyed playing with each other and kind of looking up and looking for each other and trying to be inventive. It was a, a fantastic all-round performance. Right, it's been an unusual year. If 2020 was part of your Christmas meal, it would be your Brussels sprouts, but even Brussels sprouts are not all bad. A little seasoning, fire them in the oven, a little bit of bacon, almost edible. So what has been the little bits of bacon on this steaming dump of a year, where well, you could pick out Kai Kennedy, you could pick out Roddy McGregor, you've got a cracking 2-0 win at Dens Park in January, all the way back then, um, getting to the Scottish Cup quarterfinals once again, you've got Toddy's 90th minute winner against Morton in March, as Riley's already touched on the fans coming back, or a recent swashbuckling performance in Dumfries. What has been your highlight of the year, gents? It's, it's taken, kind of looking back on the year as a whole, to remember that this is a year in which we finished second in the championship and we got to a Scottish Cup quarterfinal. It, strangely, it doesn't feel like that because of the disruption. And strangely also, given those achievements, it's difficult to kind of pull out a very specific game or moment as a highlight. I think we had them 2015 onwards. Um, it's very easy to pick out that one that one highlight, 2015, speaks for itself. Even even in the process of getting relegated, we had that night at Dens in the penultimate game where um, we, we kind of realised we might have a chance of staying up, a, a tiny slither. 
2018. You could pick out any moment from that run that almost took us into a playoff spot um, towards the end of that season. 2019 speaks for itself, a Doran winner at Tannadice. Uh, 2020 is not as easy, but I'm going to take, even though it was a pretty turgid game, the 1-0 win over Livingston in the Cup, Sean Welsh's free kick, and just the feeling of leaving that game and you know giving it Caliar the Cup kind of stuff, knowing you were in a Scottish Cup quarterfinal and that after these kind of years in the championship, we were punching back up again. Uh, well, for me, it might be a bit sort of self-indulgent, but it was the interview we did for the shuffle with uh, Charlie Ryan and Chris, Charlie and Ryan Christie back in, was that May or June? I always find these sort of situations really awkward, but they made it really easy. You know, they both spoke about the game incredibly well and they had so much love for the club, you know, and it's players that you enjoy watching so much and you fear that if you actually met them, they might be total dicks and they were the absolute opposite. They were really, really nice. They lived up to your expectations as people as well as players. So that was my highlight. For me, I'm going to go, I can't, I can't remember pre lockdown guys. It seemed like ages ago. I mean, thinking back to the Hibs game and that Friday night, it seemed like three years ago, never mind at the start of this year. But I'm going to go for the emergency youth in the current season. It's refreshing to see. Um, I was a bit slightly dubious of some of the guys that were maybe getting put forward. Um, but, yeah, to a man, they've all stood up. Harper, McGregor, Allardyce coming in. It's, uh, it's exciting time to watch. And, yeah, that'll be my highlight of uh, later 2020. I think mine was, Ross has alluded to it, I think it was finishing second. That was the culmination of three seasons in the league. Mm-hmm. It was the sort of the project, Robbo's project for the last two, three seasons, building this team up. And obviously it got dismantled in January and then in the summer. So I think that was a great achievement. But looking at what, again, touching on your point, Stevie, again, what the young boys have achieved, and they have achieved a certain amount so far, you know, regardless of the last two results, given what they've achieved so far and what they're capable of, I think that this team can go even better. And the only way you can get better is by winning the league. And I think the young boys are capable of doing that with a little bit of help in the next couple of seasons. I think it's a double-edged sword. I think if we, I think we'd have done well in the playoffs. I don't, I don't know if we'd have went up, but if we'd have went up, with these young guys got a chance. So maybe it's one step back, two forwards. So yeah. hopefully that that pays off. Okay, right. Well, it is lockdown again. You can't go to the football. You can't go to the pub. And John Lacari and James Bond have just died. But at least you don't have to wear pants. Swings around roundabouts. Hi, it's Roddy McGregor here. I'd just like to wish all Cali Fissel fans a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Game by game, I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. 17th century traditional carol, but does anyone know the name of the ships? Is it the Mayflower and the other two? I... No. He's no? Fr- no, the song refers to camels. They're the three camels oh, used, by, right. used by the Magi, known as ships of the desert. So... You three obviously need to know your camels, your your dromedary, cam, your dromedary cam, camel camels, and uh, <laughs> your dromedary <laughs> camels, and you know all the other all the other many various different types of camels that there are. Okay, camels in years. <laughs> from, uh, from three ships, <laughs> from three ships to three games. Uh, Queen of the South now, Cali Hissel three, Friday fourth of December, a resounding three 0 victory. If this was a Christmas film, this would be it's a wonderful life because that's what it felt like watching the best performance in years, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they're a very poor team, Queen of the South. I thought we, oh, we didn't, we didn't, we played well, but I think we were, we, we probably could have up two or three gears, I think. Um, Kennedy was, was tremendous, unlucky with the goal, but yeah, again, three great goals, three great plays, and uh, yeah, 
I was uh, delighted in that Friday night. Hi, Kennedy. How long can we keep him, Stevie? I mean, he's he's our most potent attacking weapon at the moment, isn't he? Well, I think we'll talk about it later on in the Aloha game, Moff, but I think that game was good and bad for us. I think it highlighted how good a player is and how we to play against him. It was on national TV, and I think Aloha nullified him, as we'll talk about later on. But, yeah, hopefully he signs in a deal at Rangers, and if he does, we've got first dibs to, to keep him, so... Uh, what about Roddy McGregor uh, in this game? He's slight in stature, but he's got absolutely no feel, fear at all, has he? We talked, we talked about him, you know, great guns on the last pod in depth. But do you think other clubs and managers are now taking note and talking about him, Ross? Obviously, scoring a goal of that quality on the BBC on a Friday night um, will bring him to people's attention that hadn't noticed him already. It was interesting to hear Robbo post-match say he didn't think it was the bit Robbie, Roddy's best game. I'm not quite sure what he thought was missing because I thought Roddy was brilliant throughout and uh, as his dad was pushing on social media the day after his little pirouette on the edge of the box. Um, but it's not, you know, he didn't do a pirouette for show there. He did it to get away from a defender and then he pushed 30, 40 yards up the pitch with the ball and that's the space that opened up to him once we were ahead in that game is just ideal for him. Um because he, he he just seems to have the energy as well to to cover that kind of ground throughout the whole game. He's back tackling, you know, he makes sensible passes, and then he's made a late run and burst in the box or on the edge of the box to stroke that one in the top corner. It was a beautiful goal. And the third goal, it's this is classic story, Ey, isn't it? Turn and hit bottom corner, bang. If yeah, he keeps, I mean, if he keeps doing that, if he keeps doing that, you would say double figures. It's just the amount of chances he gets to do that. Yeah, I think he has been getting chances and he hasn't always been putting them away. You know, I think he's still a wee bit profligate. But having said that, I think he is definitely earning his place. You know, he's working incredibly hard. He's occupying the defenders a lot. I think his setup play has been better, actually. You know, we saw a really good piece uh, play for him and then putting the ball inside for Keating's goal against Reed Rovers. And actually, the um, goal that Kennedy scored, you know, that lovely opener against Queen's, it was Stoney's run and kind of reverse pass that put Kennedy in for that as well. So I think he's even without the goals. I think he's doing enough to earn his place. Um, I don't know if we still don't know how much of a striker he really is. You know, he had that good run for us against uh, or in his first season for us, and then didn't work from Aberdeen at all. At Partick Thistle, he was getting moved about in a declining team. So we really don't know if he is potentially a prolific scorer that's just not had confidence or not got confidence. I, I don't find him through the middle. I think um, you see Story's goal. When Story doesn't have a lot of time to think about things, he creates really good chances and opportunities. It's when he's through one on one. Or he's got a lot of time in his, his hands. That's when he starts to, you know, will I go left or go right? It's too many. We had it at Bros last season when he remember he tried to lob the keeper from about three yards out and put it right to his chest. I think he does. He does. If you, in, in the latest game, though, you could see he runs. He runs the channels a lot. He's been asked to run uh, the channels and he's been asked to pull defenders out of positions a lot. So when he's doing that, you're thinking, well, it'd be better if you were in the middle. But the fact that he's doing that, I guarantee that's then opening up spaces for specifically mm. Keatons to get chances. And obviously, he's got a couple of goals this season already, Keatons. I like him off the left. I think he's really good off the left. I think he's cutting inside, you know, as you say, taking defenders with him. I think that's my preferred position for him. Story through the middle, I, I, I like it. I think it is creating space uh, for Keaton's. Unfortunately, Keaton's not taking all the chances it's creating, but you saw it with the Roddy's goal. Uh, Story doesn't get an assist, it's Brad's assist, but Story's actually running powerfully at the centre halves and they panic, and that's why that that's why nobody closes Roddy down on the edge of the box. Okay, uh, Cali Thistle 2, Dundee 2, Saturday 12th of December. Tenuous Christmas film link. You've heard of the Polar Express. Uh, on this day, I hopped aboard the Pixelot Express and it was 15 minutes late, worse than ScotRail, honestly. I, I, that was my first experience of you know waiting 
I've actually seen, I think I'd actually seen every minute of every game before that, but then 15 minutes in, that was when uh, your friend from last month, Ross, he helped me out with a little link. Luke, Luca oh, Ro- did you get in Luca- touch with Luca, did you? I got in touch with Luca Ross. Lovely yeah. guy, Luca. He's on my Christmas card last season. He hey, well, 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 well. <laughs> listen, 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 as you, as you do, Stevie, don't kick too early. Um, oh, sort of my life. We've got uh, we've got that to talk about later on, but yeah, two points dropped in this game, reminiscent of our early start to the season um, when we're sitting here and, and we're saying, well, we played well, but we dropped points again. Thinking back to this game and looking at the stats and the shots and the opportunities, the, their goalkeeper Hamilton, he's he's very much maligned, but he's got them a point here, hasn't he? And um, well, our, our profligacy's given them the point. Um, initially, for about the first half an hour of this game, Dundee had a lot of the ball in territory, and I think maybe we need to talk about that later on when we come to the second half uh, of the Aloha game where we we kind of seeded the midfield to some extent and uh, I don't think we I don't think that was done deliberately although it did work in the first half against Dundee to our advantage because we broke and our, we created much better chances than they did even while they did have all that possession um, but we didn't take them now Shane's missed a few chances recently he had the first one he had a, a volley uh, that he could have done a lot more with. Uh, Roddy's had a low drive shortly afterwards that he should have got more behind, I think. Um, and then uh, there's another one, flashes a, actually a fantastic move where uh, Story plays a through ball to Harper. It's a really beautiful little reverse slide pass and Harper cuts it back. Roddy has a dig at it, probably should score, but doesn't connect. And then Keaton's uh, also has a chance to score from within the six-yard box. But the worst one, was uh, in the second half. The, the Keaton's sitter in the second half, you don't quite realise it until because, because of those stupid cameras. But when you see our own highlights, which are so much better than the Pixel, and hopefully hopefully future home games, we're using those cameras, as I believe we will be. Um, but watching back on the highlights, that sitter, it's worse than Ivalumo, you know. It's, it's Ronnie Rosenthal stuff. Keaton's really has to be... <laughs> He's uh, Ross, I think most people, most people listening to this pod are going to have to Google who Ronnie Rosenthal is. You're not hitting the target age reference there. Um, so anyway, uh, despite all that, you know, fantastic finish from these. These, these shows them how it's done in terms of, it's like a brilliant, brilliant finish at the back post. And then just a few minutes later, uh, Doran shows his quality. Absolutely great hanging ball in the box. Shane flicks it on, and what a taken hit from Keating's. It's a gorgeous goal. It's as much as I've celebrated a goal of all these games watching, you know, watching streams. You don't celebrate the way you would at a game, but like turning the game around like that, and deservedly so, and with such a well-worked goal, uh, went mental. But then, uh, obviously, obviously, we fucking... Well, that allows us to talk about someone we actually haven't had much opportunity to talk about this season, because he hasn't had a lot of games. Game time, Aaron Doran just mentioned him there, Ross. You know, this is... He's made a few good impacts off the bench, good passes, good possession in the final third. Um, but this is when he actually was able to make an impact in terms of a goal contribution, wasn't it? He's still got a few games, I think, in him before he's about up to full match fitness. So I think uh, I think hopefully at the turn of the year we'll see the old Aaron Doran back. Well, let's move on to the most recent game. Uh, for Alawa 2, Inverness Caledonian Thistle 1, Saturday 19th of December. Um, my wife was watching Outlander the other day and I walked in. I said, what, what the hell are you watching? And she said uh, she was missold. She was told it was a romance. Uh, and in this game against Aloha, I was, I was missold. I was, I was missold. I thought this was going to be something completely other than what it was. Um, first 30 or 45, excellent interplay, I thought. McGregor, Keating's story. They get a bit of luck and a bit of skill in the second half of the free kick. 
then Robbo changes the shape, Peter Grant changes the shape, the shape. Is that where the game got away with us? What was how did how did we lose this game really, guys? I mean, before the game, I felt pretty confident, you know, especially after seeing that Kevin and Spoogle were out. Um, I'm not surprised that Robbo went with the same team again because we should have beaten Dundee comfortably as we've already established. I would say for the first hour or so, it probably looked like the right choice, except for, you know, some wasteful finishing. And if you, I thought the final balls, some of the passing was a bit slacker than it has been in previous weeks, but we were still kind of well on top, you know, for the large parts of the game. Robbo mentioned that we didn't get started in the second half, but I felt that actually we were all right for the first 15 minutes of the second half. They worked us very, very hard in the middle of the park, but it did feel like their goal and the substitutions did change it. You know, suddenly they're on top. I think Roddy McGregor had less time on the ball um, and he was really, they pressurised him really well. Um, Shane Sutherland, who I thought actually did very well in the first half, a lot of nice linking and he forced a really good save out of Parry. Um, he disappeared completely. Keatings was isolated as well. And I just wonder if we'd left um, Kai Kennedy on, then that might have been an outball, you know, someone who can create something out of nothing, you know, at a time when Alawa were in the ascendancy. As it was, it looked like they just got hold of the midfield. We kind of panicked a wee bit. Couldn't really do anything going forward apart from one very nice kind of run by Allardyce who kept his levels up and managed to play Welsh. And, and a frustrating moment late on when Todd Roth was caught offside, which happened also against Dundee, and which he does a bit too often. That was frustrating as well. But yeah, it felt like you know a combination of losing a goal, Allardyce getting confidence, but also the substitutions um, taking away probably our most potent attacking threat, I thought, were, were the problems. Too. Yeah, I mean, everything came down to the left-hand side, didn't it? And uh, not to dwell on it, but I think the decision to take off McGregor was, McGregor, sorry, Kennedy, was a bit of a weird one. Um, well, he has, he has been. He's, he's the most substituted player of the season. I think he's been subbed five times. I don't know if it's a fitness issue then, because he's young, but I mean, he seems to be around the same time every game that he gets taken off, which I wonder if there's something there, or he's just maybe... Lacking, I don't know, maybe just a, 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 bit, a bit of confidence. I mean, he, he, he fell away in the second half a little bit. I mean, he was taking men on, but he was he was losing the ball in the second man, but he was still the most dangerous out ball we had. So, yeah, disappointed. Uh, do, you, do, you think, do you think there's a number of different options that, you know, obviously there's a lot of interplay between the players. You've got guys that can play different positions, Keaton's story, Sutherland. Do you think there's a lot of options for Robbo? And it's just like, well, sometimes you're going to pick the right one, but sometimes you're just not. I think that's very possible, actually. Yeah, Maybe. I, I do. I mean, I, I wonder actually if if Doran might come in for Shane next week just to kind of change it up a wee bit. Um, I think, that's, I think I, that's, that's that's much needed, mate. Yeah, you're very yeah. small at that point, though. How do you mean, sir? Oh yeah. Oh, I, I see. That front mean, yeah. four, apart from Story, who's not an aerial player. Um, you know, Shane is being used for that uh, the, the the long diagonal that Dees is playing, not quite as well as McCart played it, as the Aloha commentators uh, commented on. And and he does he does win quite a lot of flick ons. You know, mm-hmm. you need him at set pieces as well. Just on uh, some of Robbo's post match comments, I mean, and I, I don't know if this is relevant to the the Kennedy substitution, but he said that we were outworked, outworked and outplayed in the second half. So he he made a couple of references to work rate in that second half and the players he took off were Keatings and Kennedy so you've got to assume those are the ones he felt weren't putting the shift in and when we're watching on these streams we're not seeing the pitch the way that we would do you know what I mean if you're at games you're seeing what players more are doing off the ball so what we're seeing Kennedy when he comes in frame takes on three four players at a time um, I was actually trying to think even in that first half a couple of times he went by a few guys so I think when last did we have a player that took on Three, four players at a time. I can't. I mean, Barry used to do it with pace. Barry Wilson, yeah. Barry Robson used to do it with skill. I can't really remember an intervening period having a player that did that kind of thing. Anyway, just Gil, uh, Gil Blumenstein. 
<laughs> just the, <laughs> the other thing Robbo said on work rate was he said Scott Allardyce was let down by the work rate of his teammates because Allardyce was immense. Like uh, yeah, even, even you know even when we were, we were we lost control of the midfield, but he also referenced training. He said training this week wasn't at the standards that we've shown. So I would kind of think, oh, why why did you put the same team out then? Um, but uh, there's something not right with that Roddy and Allardyce balance uh, because. Well, we, 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 Dundee had so much of the ball uh, in the first half in that game. And then why? You, maybe you can explain to me, Moff. I don't understand why Aloha ended up owning that midfield in the second half. It didn't doesn't make sense to me. Maybe pushing Roddy further forward. I think he'll lost a lot of bite there when he went further forward. Um, well, well, although I think that was already... We'd already, already lost, lost control. Bit, that, but, yeah. So I think... The best person to explain this will be a chap called Kieran Mooney. And Kieran is a regular Alawa commentator and he was unavailable this Saturday. Um, and we've done an interview with him and it's going to come next. So he'll be able to explain perhaps why Alawa uh, won the match. But from our perspective, I think there's been changes made by Peter Grant as well as John Robertson. And that's just opened the game up a little bit. You've got Sean Welsh coming on and Sean Welsh has almost done what Sean Welsh normally does. And that's sort of split the centre halves and sit in there. So you're almost playing with a back three. And then you've got you've got two central midfielders from them, which are very comfortable on the ball with no pressure. And you're asking Allardyce to press on into areas he's not usually pressing on pressing on into. And then Roddy, who's arguably our most impactful player of the season, is then just swamped because he's asked to play higher up the park when Aloha are just, you know, they're such a resolute back line, one of the best in the division. So I just don't think we were possibly playing to our strengths in that last half hour of the game. Just to mention maybe some of the defensive problems as well, because the goals the goals did come from mistakes. The the free kick, as good as it was, uh, was won because Divine misjudged. Divine missed it, yeah, let ball bounce. Yeah, but yeah. you can't you, you, if you talk about if you talk if you talk about that, you're going, Oh, what if this and that? Listen, that's just no, a there good, individual that's, mistakes. That's like just that, so. that's a great free kick. That's a great free kick and the second goal's a mistake. And Mark Ridgers hasn't had a mistake in three seasons, so I'm willing to go yeah. right okay, fair I'm enough. Not criticizing Ridgers. We should never ever be conceding a free kick on the edge of the box from a goal kick that bounces in front of a centre half. Okay, well we'll move on. You'll be able to listen to my interview with Keaton. Uh, coming up in a second uh, but most people will probably be listening to this um, after the Boxing Day game away to Morton so, right, so let's, let's, uh, let's play a little game let's pretend we've, we've beaten the, the, the Morton game's been we've beaten Morton what was the score? It was 4-1 we won 4-1 it was a was it? Right. excellent performance from uh, Nikolai Todorov right. uh, who came in for story mass changes uh, <laughs> Todorov <laughs> Uh, Todorov, Sean Welsh scored the other one, a penalty. Um, that, that, that last minute overhead kick from Kevin McHattie, that was the icing on the Christmas cake, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you've, been playing, you've been playing champ manager. <laughs> Hi, it's Scott Ardice here, and I'm just wishing all the Inverness fans a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Jeez, I'm, I'm, drinking, I'm drinking a marmalade heffy bison, so... <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like one of the players that Roy McGregor's going to bring in from Holland in uh, January. He will. He will the next nightmare. Eleven. You got no soul, you rubber bumpers. Spit that. Well, well, well. So, Keenan, welcome to the pods. Um, you're, you're you're jammy to say the least, Aloha. Are you not? Jammy. <laughs> Um, that's one word for it. Um, you make your own luck, but no, I, I would have to agree with you. Um, buzzing with the three points, but 
to say it would be deserved is, is quite a stretch. <laughs> Aye. Um, it looked for to all intents and purposes like Inverness were going to come away with the three points at half time. What's changed? What's been the main thing that's happened in that second half? That and obviously there's obviously a little bit of luck, as I say, with um, Bridger's mistake and with the well, a bit of fantastic skill with the free kick. But you know, other than that, what's what's the main uh, factors that have made you've come away with those three points? To be honest, I think it's I think I don't want to be harsh, but I think a lot of it's down to yourselves. Um, we couldn't get near you in the first half, and we couldn't get a kick in and. The second half you came out and it was like we were playing a different team. Um, obviously, the game changes on its head with that free kick. That's just come out of nowhere and you could probably do that a hundred times and you'll never hit it as well as you did. And then we get the bit of luck. But Aloha did play better, but I think Inverness just dropped so far off it that it was, you know, it was, it was, easy. It was easy in the second half. They didn't have to work too hard to get yeah. the two goals. Well, we've... We've made a couple of changes. Robo's changed things around a little bit. And then I think Peter Grant has immediately changed things as well. Obviously, you've seen Peter Grant as a manager for a season now. Is that a sort of thing that he does? Does he watch other managers and see what they do and then sort of makes makes changes accordingly? Peter Grant is a total enigma. Um, I love him. I'm, I'm a massive fan of him. That was his 50th game at Aloha at the weekend. So we've had a good, um, you know, we've had a good run at it, but he's just so unpredictable. Um, you know, he obviously changed things against you a lot and it, and it worked, but I've seen him, you know, after the, the second Hearts game, for example, um, we played them midweek. We then played another 90 minutes against them on Saturday and Peter Grant didn't make a single change until it got to the extra time. Um, he's just, he's a very, very passionate manager. He can get the best out of players. He can, he can make them go up levels that I don't think they even know they're capable of. But um, to try predict or to try categorise what he does is it's hard to do because he's just he's bonkers sometimes. But it's working, and I'm I'm a fan of it, so I can't complain too much. Who would you say is your best player this season so far? Um, that was a hard one because I don't think with Aloha, I don't think you have one standout player, one marquee, one marquee guy. I think you've got just a core of players that have just been there for so many years that are so. That are so good. Um, they're just perfect to that level. They're probably the best the part-time game's got to offer. And I'm talking about Neil Parry, Andy Graham, Scott Taggart, um, Hetherington, Troughton, like uh, Collie. That's the, your core of your team that have been at Aloha for five, six, seven, and upwards to nine years. Uh, and I think collectively, um, it's more of a team at Aloha. And you see that with the style of, of play we have. But to pick up, pick out one player uh, this season, it would probably be. Stephen Hetherington, I think he, he floats under the radar quite a lot, but he's um, so combative in that middle of the park and he just is really the heartbeat of that Aloha team. What would it take for one of these guys to go full-time? Do they ever want to go full-time? It would take a lot, to be honest. Um, you know, These guys have been at Aloha for so long. They've got great part-time jobs outside of football. Um, they're treated very, very well at Aloha. They, hold, they, they speak so highly of the club. And I probably I wouldn't be worried about losing too much of that core to full-time teams, uh, to be honest. I think possibly Ray Grant will still have aspirations of going full-time, but um, if you want to be a part-time player, Aloha's probably, and, and I'm not trying to be biased, but it's probably the best place you can be. Uh, and I think that's proven with the likes of well, it was Kevin Colley's ninth season at the club, but he could easily play full-time. But Yeah, he's brilliant. 
Um, well, you lost the spine of the team, your team in the summer. You lost Dees, you lost Flanagan, you lost O'Hara. Peter Grant's got a wealth of contacts in football, and yet he brings in his son. Um, and he's brought in Nicky Jameson from Queen's Park. He's a big centre-half. Ennis Murray's the boy who scored on uh, the free kick at the weekend. He's on loan from Hibs. These are all looking like fantastic signings for you. Yeah, Peter Grant's had he's had a very, very good um, transfer record so far. I think the ones, I think you look at them all and they're all probably question marks at this level, but he just seems to get it, get it out of them. You know, you look at Kevin O'Hara last season, that's a player that's been failing for years and he comes to Alawa and he's scored 15-odd goals and I think 12 assists in the championship. So he just really takes players to the next level. I think, you know, the best signing um, he's still to kind of prove, he's still to, to show his best. And I think that's Stefan Skugel. Obviously missed missed the weekend on, uh, missed the game on Saturday against yourselves. But when he's played, he's just looked a cut above. It's just trying to keep him fit, which has been the story of his career, I suppose. But when he is playing, you can, the touches, the awareness, um, yeah. his ability in the ball is, is diff- different class. Um, I think Peter Grant knew him through another one of his sons or one of his sons or something like that so he came in to Alawa to train for a couple of weeks but we were always under the impression that it was just training and I think the way that Alawa play football the way that Peter Grant sold the club to him he was it, it suits him and it definitely suits us as well we, we're a team that like to play the way that Skugel likes to play so Australia definitely wasn't happening so he was quite happy to to sign on with us but definitely a, a, a coup at this level. Jim Goodman why does he love tiny little pitches? Tiny little pitches. <laughs> I've absolutely no idea. Um, Jim was great for us, but uh, yeah, that was a bad. That those was a bad lines, decision. those lines were ridiculous. Uh, you can still see them, obviously. Still see think, the outline of it. I don't know. I don't know what it was with him because I remember speaking. I remember hearing an interview with him, and he said, "You know, he immediately, you know, regretted it, and he wanted to change it back." Like we are good enough to compete in this league, and I think it was just an admission of of defeat before we even started. I think. I have heard that that decision to narrow the pitch came from above his head based on um, our past experience in the championship and he just kind of had to go with it. How true that is, I'm, I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised because he was, definitely wasn't a fan. Neither were the players. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, okay, um, so we'll just, we'll just finish off. Thanks for talking to us. Predictions? Oh, survival is definitely, definitely the, the goal and kind of looking towards the other teams as well. I'd don't think it's an unachievable goal either. Definitely think we're stronger than a couple of them. So, so what position? Um, Where are you finishing? We'll go. We'll go with eight. That's that's exactly what we won. That's what we set. Our, that's what we kind of set the bar at every season. What's your thoughts on Inverness? Or you know our style of play, best or worst players? Is it a team that you've? I know you're you're a bit of a student of the of the league yourself, Kieran. So you know, what's your thoughts on on us as yeah, a football club? I really like. I really like Inverness. I'm a mass. I'm a big fan of John Robertson. I have to admit. Um, I think. Um, when I listen to Robertson post-match conferences and stuff like that, he's always very complimentary. He's always very honest, um, and I think he's done a very good job um, with Inverness. Um, I don't know if that's what the Inverness fans think, but from the outside, I think um, you know he's had a massive rebuilding job in the kind of summer and last season as well. And I think he's done very well. And I definitely think that the playoffs is an achievable aim for yourselves as well. Great. Well, cheers, Kieran. We'll finish off with. Uh... Something about Alawa we might not know, so that could be something about you know Clark Manninshire as a as a you know just you know you can give us something that's going to be educational or something that's going to be humorous. It's entirely yeah, up to you or yeah, both. And I, I've got this stat 
that Aloha are actually the most filled team in the championship by quite a distance as well. 131 times Aloha have been filled this season. Um, the next next one is 109 with Dundee, so it's um, that old that old chance should probably be the other way around. <laughs> now, how many how many fouls has Liam Dick made though? I know, that's true. The, dif- that's the difference is he's made about 140 fouls himself. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay, well, thanks for joining us on the on the shuffle, Kieran. And it was a shame that you couldn't do the commentary yourself at the weekend, but uh, I'm sure you'll be you'll be back in the hot seat, and they won't they won't have replaced you permanently. I don't. I hope not. I hope my job's safe. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Come Boxing Day. Nice one. <laughs> Hi, this is Josh Meekins here. Just wishing all ICT fans a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hope everyone stays safe and has a good one. You've watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. You've been bamboozled by eggheads. You wonder if they really did get a speedboat on Bullseye. Well, you're about to listen to the daddy of all quizzes. The quiz that makes only connect look like this morning's cash for questions. We assembled three of the biggest brains at Caledonian Stadium to play Mastermind Man. The Christmas Wine Shuffle Edition. Right, folks, welcome to the first ever Wine Shuffle Christmas quiz. Um, with me, Steve Riley, we've got three young ballers on the, the quiz today. Um, contestant one, what's your name? Where'd you come from? Uh, hi, I'm Robbie Dees, and I come from the lovely uh, Kinross. Uh, contestant two, what's your name? Where'd you come from? He's classing that lovely, hi. Lord Duffy, and from Dunfermline. We're struggling. Hopefully, contestant three comes comes from somewhere that's got Channel Five. Contestant three, where'd you come from? And what's your name? Scott Base. I'm from Dundee. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, well, so best a bad bunch there, boys. Okay, right. We'll we'll, we'll kick off uh, before we start the um, the quiz, boys. Um, a couple of questions around Christmas. Um, contestant one, you know, Robbie. First, if you could give a, a Christmas present to any player in the squad, what would it be, and who would you give it to? I'll, I'll go if you need deodorant. Fact. For who? For who? Scott Allardyce. <laughs> I'll go I'll go, I'll go a pack of Johnny's for Wallace Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're, we're, set, we're setting the tone here, boys. Luckily, it's an adult podcast, right? So, what do you think, the, question to you all, what do you think the gaffers ask for Christmas? I think he's asking for a new pair of chinos because they're horrendous, the one he's wearing. So, what's, uh, what's in the gaffers' Christmas list? Oh, Jesus. Uh, he listens to the pod I heard as well, boys, so... Uh, uh, What's your answers? I heard he was looking for a new left centre half for Christmas. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need a new right back here. Oh, the right. <laughs> We're fine there. At the time this goes out, next game will be Morton away in Boxing Day. What's the better Christmas present? Scoring a last minute winner or cruising to a 3 0 victory? I'd rather say a 3 0 victory, but since it's Christmas, I wouldn't mind a last minute winner. Best Christmas song? Ten of you. What's uh, we should go to a Christmas song to karaoke? What's Mariah Carey? And what's the what's the name of that again? Oh no! All, all, all I want for Christmas is you. All I want for Christmas, aye, that's my go-to. Michael Bublé. Ah, can it be? Can it be about Bublé Christmas? Aye, that's that's a good show, Scotty. And then see the footballer. What's the, what's the worst thing about Christmas? Is it missing family or uh, uh, waking up on Christmas Day uh, with all the stuffing? <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get to the main event then. So the Christmas quiz. You're playing for the the coveted wine and shuffle mug. Available on Etsy while stocks last. Um, three rounds, boys. We'll kick off your hobby first. So, three questions. We'll give you give you one each. Um, if you don't get it right, I'll open up to the boys. And then we'll kick off, mate. So, your first question. Uh, Liverpool were Premier League champions in 2020. 
But when did they last win the league before that? 89-90. Right, I'll give you 1990. So bang on, mate. Well done. One oh. point. Second question. Which club did Erling Haaland leave to join Borussia Dortmund in January this year? Red Bull Salzburg. Um, two, two points. Well, was it? Two out of two, mate. Aye, Salzburg, mate. Aye. Right, you're a keen golfer, Robbie, so this should be an easy one for you, mate. Who won this year's Masters? Oh, uh, Dustin Johnson. Three out of three, mate. I've made them too easy. Wallace, you're up, mate. So, how many consecutive seasons have Juventus won Serie A? Aye, I'll go seven. I'm going to open up to the boys. I'll go four. Uh, I'm going to go in between here. I'm going to go five. No, nine. So, they're in our team's going for ten in a row this season. So, second question, mate. Um... Which club renamed its ground after Diego Maradona recently? Napoli. Aye, boom, well done, mate. Who won the Super Bowl in February this year? I never watched a game in my life. Can you even name an NFL team? <laughs> Green Bay Packers. Right. Is that, your, is that your, your team or is that your answer? <laughs> That's my answer. That's the only team I can. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll up to the boys. Any, any ideas on that, boys? Was it the Patriots? Uh, they usually win it every year, don't they, but... Wasn't an issue. Uh, uh, New Orleans team, I can't remember the call. Nah, nah, Kansas City Chiefs. So, never heard of them. Tough around there, Wallace, mate. You get a wee bit harder ones than, than Robbie, I think, mate. But I think we'll redeem you going forward. Uh, hey, Scotty, three for, three for you, mate, I think. Uh, I should be all right here. Right, first question, Scotty. What, what did Birmingham City do after they sold 17-year-old Jude Bellingham to Borussia Dortmund in July? Retired the number. What did, who was the top goal scorer in the Premier League in the 2019-20 season? Eng, English Premier League. Harry Kane. I'm going to open up to the boys. Wallace, Robbie, any ideas? Yeah, Vardy. I'll go Oba. No, it was Vardy. Well done, Robbie. Good point, mate. Well done. Mike, this one, Scotty, I'm not sure, mate. YouTuber Logan Paul, whoever that is, right, will fight which boxer in 2021? Mayweather. Well done, mate. Aye. Boom. Aye. Right, here's, here's, here's when it gets a bit weird now, right? So Christmas film and TV. Robbie, your three questions. First one. Where are the McAllisters going on vacation when they leave Kevin behind in Home Alone? Is it Florida? No, I'm going to open it up to the boys. Paris. Wallace is right, mate. Well done, mate. Paris it is. Watched it last night. There you go. That's an easy one here, boys, surely. Who dresses up as an armadillo in the Friends episode of the one with the holiday armadillo? Uh, Ross. Ah, well done, mate. Point. Third question, mate. Uh, who plays Buddy's love interest, Jovi and Elf? I can't even... Uh, Yes. Well, Scott, any ideas, boys? Nah, no, got a Zoe Deschanel, if that makes any sense to you boys, but I don't know who she is. <laughs> right, well, it's just three, mate. What happens to Del Boy Rodney in the 1996 Only Fools and Horses Christmas special? Well, there's more than one Christmas special, is there, no? The 1996 one. The famous <laughs> one. Good, Waldo. You ever watched Only Fools and Horses? Aye. Must have. I watch Must it have a lot. Oh, I've not got a clue in that, Ian. Right, Robbie Scott, you any ideas, boys? See, I can't even pinpoint the Christmas special. Something to do with the poker game, that. The go shooting. Can I go back? Can I go back? Oh. I'll ask the boys, I don't know. Did we, we give nah, another go? Nah, no going back. Right, <laughs> sorry. There we go, then. no going back, nah. Right, right. They become millionaires. That was the famous line that one day they'll become millionaires. So they win the lottery. Which US president made a cameo appearance in Home Alone 2, lost in New York? Bush? Trump, it was me. He owned the hotel with the plaza, so bonus point each for the boys. Do you get minus uh, Scotty sitting drinking a protein shake? Hey, recover it. I've got a beer in my hand in about 10 minutes, so now he's, he's winning there, mate, so keep it up. I've got one as well. <laughs> a beer? I've got a beer? 
Are you going to bench anyway this weekend? You'll be all right. You're fine. Right, Scott, your three, mate. Um, oh, one of your favourite shows, I'd imagine, a Saturday night after a home win. Which celebrity won last year? Strictly Come Dancing Christmas special. Jimmy Lane. <laughs> no, no, I think he won the, I think he won the, the season. This is a Christmas special when the, the former contestants come back, if you want to have a second go. No, my gran can. I won't know. Which city is Die Hard set in? The first L- one. London. Hey, your final answer? Aye. Hey, take a sip of that protein shake. Boys, what do you think? It's not London. I've not seen that. I've never seen Die Hard? Oh, no. oh boys. I guess New York. You're seeing New York? Well, what are you going with? We stuck on the telly the other day. Aye, but we didn't pay attention because we're too busy talking. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go LA. Get in there, mate. Well done. Oh. Right, point. You got it? Well done. Well, score it, mate. LA. <laughs> oh, there we go. Scott, last question for you, mate. Which former EastEnders actress does Hugh Grant, Prime Minister, fall in love with in Love Actually? I've no got a clue. Gail no. Platt? Is that Corey? <laughs> no, that's Corey behind <laughs> <laughs> that's a character's name but no it's no, it's no Gil Platt but good shout mate <laughs> that, that's Martin, Martin McCutcheon round three Robbie your three uh, Robbo took charge of ICT for the first time on the 20th of December 2003 his first spell in charge against which team I'll give you three options St Mirren Dundee or Clyde I'm going to go Dundee 50-50 boys so it's not Dundee it's either St Mirren or Clyde his Clyde. first team in charge St Mirren St Mirren it was, boys. I we won 4-1, mate. So St Mirren away was the first game that Robbie was in charge in 2003. Second question, Robbie. ICT beat Celtic 3-2 on the 16th of December 2007. We were 2-0 down. Big Venegar to Hessling put them 2-0 up. Who scored the winner for ICT? Was it Don Cowie, John Rankin or David Proctor? David. It wasn't, mate. No, hold them up to Wallace and Scotty. John Rankin. Don Kerry. Don Kerry was, mate. Aye, scored the first <laughs> goal. Well done, Moss. Uh, Rankin scored a penalty. I think he scored the first one and then Proctor scored by a bullet header to a corner, I think, for the second goal. Uh, we won. It's not ICT now, mate. So the last game I was at in person, I don't you played, Robbie. We lost to Nottingham in March um, this year. Who scored the two goals for uh, Alloa against us that day? Lee Conley scored one. I'm going to go with uh, Alan Trouton. Well done, mate. Both right, mate. Lee Collin and Alan Trouton both scored, mate. Well, it's back to the game now, mate. Three questions for you. Who scored the first goal in ICT's 2-0 win over Dolphin last year on the 21st of December? Was it Jordan White, Sean Rooney or Carlo Tremarco? Rooney. Well done, mate. Boom, well done. Mm. Second question, mate. On the 1st of December 2018, ICT's 25-game unbeaten streak was beaten by which team? Was it Dolphin? Falkirk or Air? 25 games, that's a lot. Um, Air. Was it, mate? No, not to Robbie and Scotty. Oh, Vermin. Falkirk. Um, Scotty's right, mate. We lost 3 2 to Falkirk that day. Okay. Who was ICT's top goal scorer in 2016 17? Was it Ian Vigers, Alex Fisher, or Greg Tansy? Vigers. Wrong, mate. So, not to Robbie and Scotty. So, it's Fisher, Fisher. or Tansy for you. Fisher Scott's right mate it was Alex Fisher with a maximum of 8 goals that season not bad boys right Scott last last three questions of the quiz um, I think you may have been there at the time but hopefully you are mate because what a story this is which United, United player famously picked up the ball and walked off the pitch against ICT in April 2016 Gavin Gunn absolute psycho eh? <laughs> bro well done mate right let's go to those boys let's, let's, let's tally them up right 7 points for you Robbie and be a chance I think Four well, points you lost, mate. I thought you'd have done better, mate. And Scotty go, finishes with one, 
two, three, four, five. So the winner, mate, and you're getting a wine and shuffle mug. <laughs> That's these, mate. You can put the you put the, sh- the shuffle mug next to all that a la carte cooking you're doing. Uh, so, well, well, well done, mate. Well done. He does the cooking, you do the dishes, yeah? Is that the that script? And that, that's where the deal is. But <laughs> it, happen, it happens very rarely. He's a wee bit annoyed at me recently. Eh? He's having a wee, a wee break. Bite, uh, I've had to have a wee bite at him here and there. I can, see, I can feel the tension there, boys. I know, hope it's, hope it's a, <laughs> a calm household over the Christmas. hope he's on the, you know, fighting too much. Go straight in there after this, are you? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Gail Platt. Did you hear that bit? Did you hear that bit? <laughs> yeah. That's he's he's gonna. If if he was in my football team, he'd be getting absolutely rinsed when he comes in the changing room on Monday. Gail Platt. But yeah, kudos to Scott Allardyce for the first recorded use of the word Johnny's on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Sean Rennie. Wishing all of my fans a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Right, quick, quick interlude, the Christmas pun-off. Uh, for instance, you could have Christmas Miles Story. You've got your, you've got your Christmas thinking hats on. What have you got? Well, this is what you're getting for Christmas, Moff, because you've been uh, such a bad boy. Uh, uh, Larnell Lump of Coal. <laughs> <laughs> well, something I need after a belly full of turkey is a Jobby D's. Oh. <laughs> that's, I mean, that is, that is ten, that's 10 years at best, isn't it? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Well, what would help that along, Stevie, would be a Brussels sprout Duncan. Or a Brussels latipe. <laughs> you'd, love, you'd, love, you'd love to get one of them in your Cameron Christmas hamper. Just, yeah. just before AY goes all biblical on us, we'll start off with uh, uh, Danny Divine Intervention. Oh, I had oh. Danny, I had Danny de Hollyvine. And uh, obviously the best Christmas film ever, um, Yippee Ki Yay, it's um, Kai Hard. Oh, oh, yes. very. <laughs> oh, very good, Stevie. Ask, you, you, did you write that yourself? Eh? Any, more, any, any more for any more? Okay. Edward of Fairy Lights. Jake Maldwine Rainey. He's off now. Les <laughs> Well Stocked Fridge. I think, oh, I've nice. got, I think I've got the winner. It's the most topical, you know, Christmas is about religion, is it not? Harry Nicholson son of God. Oh, oh nice, nice, nice. Carol Tremarco. And, uh, oh, nice. Marley's Ghost, Watkins. Uh, Christmas Carol, you know. Uh, oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> can, can we put a in there? <laughs> right. This has got to get a laugh, right? Lewis Tosh, near room at the end. <laughs> Hi, this is Mark Ridgers here, just wishing all ICT fans a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Right, league look ahead. Let us cast our eyes upon the upcoming month of soccer ball. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've got Morton away here, but we've already said uh, we're going to win. We're going to win four, four one. Yeah, I, you know, I, this is Boxing Day. I googled Boxing Day events in Greenock, but there weren't any. I don't think that's anything to do with COVID. I just think there are no events in Greenock ever. Um, but in all seriousness, we need to get back to winning ways after dropping five points in the last two in this one, don't we? Starting to remind me of last year. Uh, when we won that, when Rooney scored that goal at air, and I think we had we had about three 
really winnable looking games ahead of us. And we thought if we win them all, we'll be comfy at top. We would have been top of the league if we'd won the three games. And uh, I think we took like three out of the nine points and we lost at Martin. We lost to a shit Martin team. Rubber rotated the squad on that occasion, rotated the team. Um, and he might do the same again because we got them firming on the Tuesday night. But they're in, they're in a bit of form, changed the manager. They've obviously got a bit of a bounce about them. On paper, they look crap. It should be who's, who's the Morton Gaffer now then? Um, he's a fit, fit, fitness coach. Something back at him. Aaron yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a fitness coach, yeah. But, this is due yeah. to, um, I think, Hopkins just just resigned to save them money, did you not? Aye, I mean, that the story about him doing it in order not to take a wage rings a bit hollow because he could just not take a wage. And they had that bastard McKinnon on the radio and sports sound. And he, there was definitely, he was just, he was like a politician. He was just batting the questions away. He wasn't answering them. So I don't think, well, I don't think we'll know. I think there's something, I think there's something altogether more sinister going on there. I believe that they're trying to, there's a guy called Evan McFarlane, quite a prominent Morton fan on Twitter. I think what they're trying to do is separate the ownership of the club from the ownership of the stadium. Uh, And there's a fans group that are against that, trying to get control of the club back. Um, But obviously if you want to have control of your football club, you need control of your stadium. Uh, We can, we can testify to that and a certain amount of Cali Thistle fans. Um, yep. So yeah, there's a lot of lot of lot of things going on there, and uh, given the background to that, given you know they've got a fitness coach to the manager, um, there should be three points. Okay, okay, let's move on to Tuesday, 29th of December, Dunfermline at home. On this day in 1965, the Bond film Thunderball premiered. I couldn't uh, do a Bond reference without tribute to the the great man Sir Sean Connery. I wanted to do it in the last pod, but obviously we didn't have any we didn't have any space. So uh, in honor of in honor or in lack of that, I've put together a, the Bond film and what ICT person that cool. relates to. So. Uh, right. Uh, so what's everyone got? Right. Uh, well, I've got a uh, Sean Welsh's Doctor No because that's what he says four times a season when he's told he's going to be out for a month with an ingrowing toenail or a glue ear or whatever. Tom Walsh is Spectre because he'd kind of mysteriously disappear and then rematerialize during the games. Is it Johnny Tuffy on Her Majesty's Secret Service? <laughs> I like that. Staunch. Staunch. Uh, right, I've got um, For Your Eyes Oakley. Oh, very good. Oh. Uh, Tomorrow Roy McBean Never Dies. Loves that pun. <laughs> uh, the, the Living Daylights brackets kicked out of him, Ian Vigers. <laughs> from Ru- from Russia with love, Pavel Mahabjics. I know he's from Latvia, but the <laughs> iron iron curtain and all that. Uh, no time to die. No time to die. Terry Butcher when he was playing for England with the thing around his head. Um, the spy who loved me. The traitorous Cole Donaldson. Never say never again. Danny Devine. Casino Royale. That's just Roy McGregor's Victoria Park. Um, and my personal my personal favourite. You might not like it, but. Doctor No Contract, Tom Walsh. All right, do you want, we should probably talk about the game, eh? Uh, <laughs> Which game? This is Dunfermline on the 29th. Oh, on the Tuesday night, eh? Aye. Uh, so, obviously, there's not going to be any fans at it because Inverness has been bumped up to Tier 4, unfortunately, um, which is an absolute nightmare for everybody who was looking forward to going after 600 or so fans being at the last couple of matches. Um, is this going to be one that people are going to really regret missing out on if you know if we get a win against Dunfermline? That's... That's a, that's a huge result, Stevie, isn't it? Yeah, I think maybe a couple of weeks ago I'd be a bit nervous in this game, but obviously Deferman have had a few iffy results. Um, although, yeah, again, a good point against Dundee on Saturday there. But um, no, I think time of the year, hopefully, we, we normally do pretty well this time of year at home as well. Um, Strictly speaking, I think. Obviously, we'll hump Morton, in my opinion. So a game against Deferman at home, if we can nullify 
any set pieces and that lethal weapon, you and Murray seems to I watched up to about twenty goals from headers already this season. So yeah, I'm I'm quietly confident if we can nullify them from set plays, but yeah, let's let's wait and see. Well, the game after that, as we move on to Arbroath away on Saturday the 2nd of January, Saturday 2nd of January, Arbroath, strong strong contender for being called off, I would suggest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 19, uh, sorry, 1791 was the big bottom massacre in Ohio country, North America, on Saturday the 2nd of January, 1791. And we've all had a bit of a big bottom massacre after a dodgy smoky, haven't we? No. <laughs> Arbroath right. away on the 2nd of January sounds like great fun. It does, oh, doesn't it? You'd still go, it even if it got called off, you'd still go. Like, well, you'd still, be, you'd still be half cut from uh, Hogwarts, would you not? So. so, yeah, sad to be missing out on that one. Um, feel similar to how I did going into the Alloa game. Their form, our form, doesn't really seem to matter. We're, we'll be haunted by last season's events at Gayfield. And I won't, I, won't, uh, I won't believe we've taken anything from that game until I see it. Well, Tuesday the 12th of January, next game after that, it's Queen of the South at home. In 1969, the New York Jets of the American Football League defeated the Baltimore Colts of the National Football League to win Super Bowl three in what is considered to be one of the greatest upsets in sports history. Ergo, Queen of the South and any half-decent football team, they are rubbish. They are rubbish, are they not? Yeah, there's nothing there. Yes. They just looked really, really kind of uh, thin you know, in terms of their, their strength and their imagination as well. You know, when we played them, you know, we should win that easily. And if we don't, then it's a worry, you know. And we all, I mean, we nearly always beat them, even when they're playing well, you know, we're, they're one of these teams that we seem to raise our game against. So, I, you know, that should be no problem at all. Saturday, 16th of January, it's Wraith away. In 1909 on this day, Ernest Shackleton's expedition finds a magnetic South Pole. And Wraith away, coincidentally, is the only reason to be attracted to a day in Fife. This uh, this is a sticky game against them, I think, is it not? I think we, we kind of probably did better than we expected to against them last time, didn't we? You know, we hadn't really quite got started. They were flying. And then we played brilliantly against them, I thought. You know, just... Um, Outfootballed them, um, outworked them as well. Um, it wasn't like one of these cases where we, you know, we took our chances and they didn't take theirs. I thought we created a lot more than them. But I do think they've got a good team. You know, Regan Henry's a very good player. Ethan Ross is a good player. Duke seems a bit more hot and cold, you know, but he's obviously dangerous. Frankie Masonda at the back's a good player as well. So, you know, I expect um, that probably to be a more difficult game than our previous game against them because they'll be probably determined to try and, you know, not allow the same thing to happen again against us. You know, I think they'll, they'll be there or thereabouts this season. And Saturday, 23rd of January, Alloa at home. On this day in 1984, Dutch magician Arjen Robin was born and Alloa have been robbing us blind for the past two seasons, have they not? Uh, Robert Robertson and Grant are arguably two of the most tactically astute managers in this league. But has the latter got the former figured yeah. out? Got them working and, I mean, got the fruits of their labour at the end of the game by 2-1 win. So, yeah, I think he's he, he's an under, underestimated manager. I didn't think he was that great a manager. Maybe down south was too much for him, but he seems to have turned Alloa around. So. Well, as, as, as the Alloa commentator said in the earlier interview, he's a bit of an enigma. You know, you never know what you're going to get with him. Uh, well, we'll actually just mention there, because we didn't mention it earlier on, and we're really remiss of us not to mention it. Um, well done to the, the chap that, that came in short notice to do the Alloa commentary on Saturday and his co-commentator, and uh, they kindly gave us uh, gave this this podcast a, a little a little note of thanks, which was which was nice to hear, wasn't it? I thought yeah. boys were good, yeah. No, it was good listening to a couple of fans, and uh, yeah, um, boys done well. And uh, I don't think that guy's a regular Alloa commentator from all accounts, so... 
Yeah, we've done well. Really good guy by the sounds of things. He's got a massive ginger beard as well. Yeah, he does, he does, yeah. Does he have kind of black stripes through it, like a wasp, to kind of... Um, well, that was a yeah, idea. You should that to him. He's also very young, but he, they mentioned the Challenge Cup final when Aloha beat us back in 1999. I'll never forget that big Dick Martin Cameron scoring the goals, but apparently it was... Um, before his time, so um, yeah, I could see young boys. Oh, well, that just shows our age, Stevie, and we don't want to talk about that too much on it. Ah, listen, I remember the freeze, exactly. I'm 65, mate, so don't worry about that. I remember exactly where I was that day. I was working in Comet. I missed a I few games. Game. I missed a few games towards the end of the century due to a Saturday job in Comet. For those under the age of twenty, Comet was a popular electrical shop. <laughs> <laughs> Which at least I was able to watch the the penalty shootout on CFAX, and you know. Good. On multiple screens, so at least you want to define CFAX for the under twenty. For those, for those under the age of fifteen, uh, CFAX was a information service. Bamboozle, remember that bastard Bamboozle? Oh, I'm down a Sunday. Oh my God, we're not recording this surely. This is what you used to do before the internet. Bamboozle. That was a Sunday family game in our house. Was fucking Bamboozle on a Sunday. It used to was you press the red button and the yellow button just to answer the question, and then you used to try and get to the end, and then you you. Muck it up like eight questions in and have to go right back. To, so you make one mistake back to the start. That was every Saturday. You get the CFAX on like half, I don't know, half four to see results coming in, wouldn't you? That was been the best game I ever watched in CFAX was, uh, it was early <laughs> CFAX on CFAX. It was early Pele, right? And uh, we were 3 1 down to Cowden Beath going into uh, the final minute. So it was like you could see it was 89 minutes. We were 3 1 down. We won 4 3. I think, I think CFAX was probably quicker than the stream sometimes. They're getting information to you. CFAX is uh, quicker than Andy, Andy fucking Bannerman, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, better, I definitely. Hi, this is Wallace Duffy wishing all ICT fans a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Now, in the next of our regular features going behind the scenes at Inverness Caledonian Thistle Football Club Limited, I add the addendum today as it's Christmas. And what is what says Christmas if not buying stuff, i.e. the commercial side of the game? So let's go and talk to Inverness Cali Thistle commercial manager, Keith Haggart. How did the job ICT come about? And uh, tell us a little bit about your background and where you've been. So this is now... My seventeenth uh, season in the wonderful, mad, crazy world of of Scottish football. Um, I spent ten years at Dundee United Football Club, a commercial team there, and then, somewhat controversially, I made the shortest trip in senior world football, and uh, did three years at Dens Park as commercial manager with with Dundee Football Club. I think we, we we spoke before. I think you'd started and you'd been in a job a couple of weeks, and then the dreaded C word turned up. That, yeah. Which I'm yeah. sick, I'm, sick, I'm sick of talking about this year. So how how was that? I mean, obviously you're looking to get your foot in the door and get acclimatised. Not one, not just one, a new job, but obviously a new city. Was that tough? Yeah, it, it was. It was. My role is about revenue raising, and I can only do that by engaging with people and with people and the position we were in as a, as a club is there was very few of us who were still in the business out of furlough so there was five of us who were still involved and um, so of the five of us there was effectively our, our finance manager uh, our head groundsman uh, our CEO 
our team manager and myself. So a, a lot of the, the task things that needed done by myself and uh, Scott from a business perspective and Evelyn from a finance point of view. So things like season tickets, you know, the, 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 the very necessary turn of activity task that needs to be done at a football tickets, kit sales, the pre-orders, um, the renewing of the club shop, the, the re-merchandising the club shop. You know, we're all very busy during this point. In terms of what I was here to do, which is effectively commercial sales, very difficult to do that because the people I was wanting to speak to were either on furlough or closed or, or is, is it the right time to, to be talking about these sorts of things when there's, there's you know, pandemic going on and, and people losing loved ones and people losing lives and people losing livelihoods. And engagement is absolutely key across every area of the football club, not just with our fan base. We need to engage with our season ticket holders. We need to engage with the community. And from my point of view, in particular, the, the business community. It's, it's maybe helps you though, Keith. I think maybe wearing a few different hats this year, because as you said, there's a lack of staff. That might hold you in good stead for going forward and obviously doing stuff you would normally not need to do. Yeah, very much so. I was positioned at reception, really, um, whilst we were open. When the club shop was open, the ticket office was open for season tickets and, and merchandise. I was the first face that when they came through the door. So to anyone who's exposed to that, I do apologise. But it gave me the opportunity exactly as you say, Stevie, to speak to people and engage with a gentleman who I, I spoke to probably June time, something like that. That gentleman I met um, then last week is now bought a trackside board from us. It was, it was getting that opportunity to speak to them all those months ago. And then, you know, we've effectively kept in touch by email. And he came in and, and like I said, the business he uh, represents now taking a new trackside board, which, you know, new, new business in the current climate we're, we're thrilled. Um, he then gave me a referral yeah. and the referral he made um, spoke to them and they've also taken backside board. So it's a vindication that, that the way we're trying to work will be successful. Is there any promos, any offers that fans can maybe snap up? I mean, I'm, I'm conscious of maybe local base fans with this one that popped into the stadium. Any, any, any Christmas promotions coming up that we, the fans can... Get involved with? I think if you're talking about from the 21st onwards, uh, probably the, the easiest uh, inventory for them to, to, to maybe would be our new ceramic tiles that we've, we've introduced. Yep. Um, what we're going to have is we're going to have a, a wall of fame. I'm sure you can see what I've done there. Uh, on the inside of the tunnel. So it's going to be ceramic tiles all the way down the inside of the, the tunnel. On the right-hand side as the boys are going out. Last thing the boys see as they, they leave the ball out onto the pitch. So, yes. And I think for um, any, any fans that maybe want to, uh, as you said, sponsor a player or invest in a club, then you'd be the point of contact and free yeah. contact just yeah, very much so. Yeah, keith.haggart at ictfc.co.uk. Absolutely. Keith Haggart there talking about bringing revenue into the club and when we were putting the pod together, it was announced that the emergency grant's worth £11.35 They're set to be split between football clubs following an agreement between the Scottish FA and the Scottish Government. The funding supports clubs below the Premiership level that have been impacted after the loss of to revenue, with £10 million coming from the Scottish Government's 
emergency sports package and a further 1.35 from the national lottery. Championship clubs are getting 5 million, League One 1.5 million, League Two 1 million, and the remaining funds split between lower leagues, women's football, and the affiliated national association. Scott Gardner said, I can't overemphasize how important this money is for our club. Great news. I mean, I sources in the club told me I, th- I thought this was maybe forecasted to clubs a lot sooner than what we'd heard the news but this came out of the blue this was wasn't forecasted in their numbers also we get the first payment of 250 grand next week it basically safeguards our future for the season we are looking at some concerts next summer if all being well within um live events which will then safeguard robo's budget for next season so yeah it's a domino effect and um I think it's a nice early Christmas present for the, the club, so oh, delighted. It's not a loan, it's a grant, and, and uh, we've got quite a low wage bill. So it's probably just what we need. Maybe we could sign a centre-half in January. <laughs> yeah, um, just to clarify that, um, one of the uh, sort of the, the regulations around it, so the money cannot be used for transfer fees, money can't be withdrawn by directors or owners, it's purely for operational football costs, and any misuse will see the grant money having to be repaid in full, and every club has to sign an agreement for that. So it is basically just to cover our, our overheads and our running costs. And apparently just to make sure that, you know, because it, it's quite hard to prove it, but apparently each club had to provide detailed accounts of their expenditure and income uh, just to show the volume of monies they were losing due to crowds and also evidence of their current cash situation. So basically they'll be looking to see whether we start you know, spending money, you know, um, that, you know, we shouldn't have. Well, we budgeted on the assumption that we weren't getting crowds. So, I mean, we didn't, let's say, for example, Josh Meekings, we couldn't bring Josh in uh, because we knew that we were going to take a hit off of COVID. So now that this covers that hit, we can bring in a good centre-half. I get Ross's point. I'm thinking, playing devil's advocate, we can maybe move some money sideways, if you know what I mean, so we don't use that 500k. Do we move else, maybe funds that we could have had into the business? But um, no, we didn't budget at all for this. This We budgeted for two games with no fans, home and away. And I think we badly needed this money. I've not yeah, heard that, exactly. and this we, is a, a lifeline. Club, clubs were told that they probably wouldn't have, you know, to budget for having no fans in until January. It's going to be a lot longer than that now, you know. And for all we yeah. know, the club may have been looking at letting more people um, yeah. go. I mean, the fur- furlough is obviously being extended to what's at the end of February. But after March. that, there could be people losing their jobs and that sort of stuff. If money helps to keep people in jobs... So this is wages. This, this is, this is paying wages then. It's paying wages. Yeah. yeah. You've got to remember, guys, how much it yeah, costs us to actually have a home game with 300 fans in there with no revenue. It costs us money. We lose money. So this safeguards that as well. So... Yeah, I think we yeah. as a club will be massively relieved that this came in. So there'll be people crying over this. This is massive for us. And as much as I'd love a new centre half, Ross, I think this will be keep the electricity bill getting paid every month. I still want a centre half. Hi, guys. Just wanted to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hope everyone's staying safe up there. And here's to Inverness getting promoted this season. Cheers. Predictions, 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 predictions. Who's finishing bottom? Ross? Oh, Lola. No, Queen Who's... of the South. What am I doing? Queen of the <laughs> South. Who's finishing bottom? Me, why? Queen of the South. Who's finishing bottom? Stevie? Queen of the South. Who's finishing second bottom? Abroth. Aloha. I think Aloha as well. I don't think Aloha. I think Abroth. Abroth. I can see Abroth going on a run at some point, going on a wee run. 
you not do you not fancy I still fancy um Campbell over um Gran and a run and I think Campbell's got more kind of he's more astute. I love his young boys. I mean same like Chris Doolan who was going to go East Kilbride, right? And then he knocked back them to go to Abroth in the championship. Yeah. It's Bobby Lim's um, about forty now, it's an old team now. No, Cam- no, Campbell's, Campbell's kind of changing that wee bit. He played Dale Hilston and Luke Donnelly up front. Well, we have to we have to go as a consensus. <laughs> consensus. So I'm saying our broad second, uh, our, our second bottom. Stevie and me and AY said Alloa, and Stevie said our broad. So there's no consensus. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm the host, so we'll go our broad. Uh, okay. <laughs> Who's a uh, host and autocrat? <laughs> <laughs> no, what, no, I'm the Uber like something. Oh uh, yeah, what does that mean? Uber Lutman. It's a senior uh, lieutenant in the German army. I know. I, I, I was watching the, the man in the high castle. It sounded vaguely Nazi-ish, so I thought it was appropriate. <laughs> Moff is basically the man in the high castle, right? <laughs> uh, right. Who is getting in the playoffs? Um, well, we're, are we saying Hearts are winning the league, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay, yeah. so who's finishing second, third, and fourth? Do I in order? Dunfermline and Dundee. I'll go with those. I'd say us, Dunfermline. Well, Dunfermline second, us third, Dundee fourth, because they'll sack McPake and spend in January. Bang on, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, I agree with there. that. Do we think that there's a better chance for a team to come up through the playoffs this season, yeah. given that the Premier League team will have played a lot more games? Um, and also, you know, if it's Hamilton, if Hamilton's scrambling at that place, you'd really fancy playing Hamilton, this terrible Hamilton uh, good team. Point. I think either Hamilton or County looked quite appealing to play, actually. I, I, I think we need to finish second, though, boys. I think I think that one, one less round of games is a massive difference, though. So. Maybe less so in a 27 game season. Though. And yeah. final prediction fans back in games. Yeah. Here's here's your hope. I had my vaccine the other day. Um, oh. I, thought you're, I thought you were looking a bit peaky. That third half year that third year is not looking good. Like. <laughs> half a There's million. a total recall. You got a sub tip there. <laughs> <laughs> half a million British people have been vaccinated. Uh, I'm thinking um, Vicky Park, Premiership Playoff, second leg, full house. You got no solo rubber bumpers! Spit that! Hi, this is Ross Morrison, Cali Jags chairman. Uh, here's wishing all of our fans a great Christmas and uh, hopefully a better new year. Um, hopefully, hope everybody has a safe, safe Christmas, safe new year. And let's get back to playing football in front of our fans in 2021. Cheers now. Nightmare 11. What? Very, very uh, I did. Uh, I like that. I, <laughs> I, that. Like that. I, got, a new, I got a new microphone. Uh, I did. Uh, I did the night. <laughs> I did the nightmare before Christmas uh, last year. So this time we're going to go Gremlins. Gremlins is a 1984 American comedy horror film which follows a man who receives a strange creature called a mogwai as a pet, which then spawns other creatures who transform to small, destructive, evil monsters that all wreak havoc on a whole town on Christmas Eve, much like in 1718, when John Robertson was gifted a cuddly little John Baird. Robo then dropped him in the bath by mistake, Pfeiffer's don't wash, and then he gave birth to Nathan Austin, Colin Seedorf, and Felicia Tarnall-Zushin. <laughs> <laughs> Already in Nightmare 11, we have, you know, a bunch of that, bunch of that haddies. Uh, who have we got wrapped up in newspaper this year, Andrew? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining you. Transition being like put in the microwave or whatever in the blender. Or it's it's some massive microwave, man. Yeah. <laughs>
I like Christmas. Obviously, it's the season of kings, isn't it? Um, you know, we three kings and uh, the king of kings himself. You know, old Jesus. Um, Oh Jesus! Just keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it secular, keep it secular. Oh, oh Jesus! You can't keep Christmas secular. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, but we're kind of um, sorry that that that's kind of improvised anyway. So I'm trying to come up with a, an appropriate enough, um, I don't know, adjective to describe this king, the king of shit, the king of disappointment, you know, the king of fail, unfulfilled expectation. I don't know. This uh, this nomination is based basically not so much on a lack of ability as just an apparent lack of heart at a time when we needed players who would put everything on the line for the club. And it is uh, Billy King. I think you guys, like me, were probably all pretty positive, I think, when we signed him or when the signing was announced. I mean, he was only 22 and he had more than 100 senior appearances under his belt, mostly in the Premiership. He played 20 times for a Hearts team the previous season that eventually finished third in the Premiership. So again, you know, he looked like he was the right level. And a further 13 times on loan for the Rangers team that cruised to the Championship. Another reason I think that we were kind of excited was that he was an attacking wide player. And we just endured a season of John Hughes flooding the park with snail-like centre mids. Um, at least one of which, Nat Wedderburn, has already uh, made his way into, uh, into our Nightmare 11. And... Liam Hughes could quite easily have done the same. Um, and the other thing about Billy King is that he obviously did have the ability that we hoped he had. Um, and that was demonstrated by this absolute screamer he made and scored in this 2 all draw against Celtic in September. But then after that, it was just nothing. You know, it's then the foreign experiment started to go wrong and you started to realise that you had no idea how he wanted to play or how to set up a team. Uh, Billy King just disappeared into his shell. Um, I can't remember anything else he did for the club at all. And his last six starts comprised a 6-0 cup defeat to Celtic, a 4-0 league defeat to Celtic, a 4-2 defeat to Motherwell, a 4-0 defeat to County, and a solitary home draw to Kilmarnock. Utterly depressing sort of set of statistics from an utterly depressing player who was a key player in our relegation. And I think slots very nicely into that one of the wide positions on our Nightmare 11. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we play him, actually. You know, he'd be shite anywhere. You know, we could play him in centre-half. Do you know what I mean? He'd be no, you know, less shit than he would be in his natural position. Billy King, the latest addition to the Nightmare 11. Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? No barter sell. For shitty weather, drugs and business. Inverness is a fucking business. Ho, 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 ho. Santa's sack. He's making a list of every ICT player's phone number. He's checking it twice. Highlighter pen. He's going to find out who's not your nice Tinder. Stevie Riley is coming to town with his big festive sack. It's bad Santa's mailbag. Yes, yeah, so um, in, in the absence of sub, I'm tasked with this. So, like um, Santa, I only come once a year. So, let's dive into Santa's sack and see what <laughs> we can find. So, um, first one, boys, I'll, I'll open up to everyone um, from Scott Bambi. Who is our most improved player from the beginning of 2020 to now, gents? Roddy McGregor's the obvious um, kind of answer, isn't it? You know, um, I think my story's improved as well. I think Brad McKay's actually this season... Um, Improved as well. Pick up on Brad McKay there. He's played like the last three games at right back, and he, he's he's been really good. Um, he's not made any mistakes. His distribution's been pretty decent. He's been released a little bit from that sort of. Um, I know he wants to be a centre half, but it's like 
he has the world on his the weight of the world on his shoulders when he's playing centre half. Sometimes it's almost like his expectation levels of himself are too high. But playing right back is like he's almost given a bit more freedom to play football, and you can see you can actually see there's a player in there actually. Yeah, it's the use of the ball that I've been really impressed with recently. It's been a lot better this season. Ross, what were you, mate? Well, just picking up on some of the ones that have already been said, we've already mentioned Harper's progress over the course of the season, but that's really just since October. I think over the course of 2020. The Miles Story thing's interesting because like, we were all we were all really negative about Miles Story last season. And it's like when he came in to play up front this season, we were positive about it, but he hadn't really done anything to justify it. Um, but well he, had, well, he had. Well, what? What? Just by not playing, like he took, like at the end of last season, like if you'd said, "Oh, we're playing Miles Story up front through the middle," he's our first choice striker. We'd have yep. been raging. I wouldn't have been uh, raging. I'd have been really happy. Well, okay, only you then, Moff. Um, but uh, <laughs> he wasn't the most. Eleven, most... eleven goals in the Premiership when he was playing up front for us. Sir. How many years ago was that? And, and nothing since. Nothing in the last. Because nobody years, has so. played him up front. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think it's working out, and uh, I think he looks like a much better player there. His goal at Queen of the South is excellent. And I'll go, I'll go Brad McKay. I think, I think he's made a massive improvement. So I'll agree with Moff. Uh, second question from Scott Bambi: um, What should our midfield be when Carson is fit? Is he getting in the team? I, I don't well, think I don't so. Think but I don't that, that, that's, that's no slight in him. I think he was he really really came on last season, and I think he he you know he was an excellent player, and he, he's got a terrific attitude. You know, he really works and works, but. Allardyce has been so impressive and I thought there was no way that I could ever imagine a team without Sean Welsh in it um, being uh, stronger than a team with him in it and actually you're kind of thinking you know does Welsh come in from McGregor next week or not I'm not sure he does you know so I think Carson is definitely behind Welsh in the pecking order I think Ben Vincent as well I think I think he's I mean we would never have predicted who we'd, that we'd be playing with McGregor and Vincent as a Obviously, you know, McGregor and um, Allardyce are, are, are obviously six and eight. So, do you know? Do you know? Vincent's been on the on the bench. He's our, he's our most unused substitute this season. Five times he's been on the bench. Five times he has well, six times he's been on the bench. Five times he hasn't got on. You wouldn't have thought that at the start of the season. I don't think that. No. I don't think that Carson gets in the team. I really think that Allardyce has been so has been so impressive that not even Welsh gets in the team. And if you're looking at the combinations, if you're playing a two. I think I think you have to play Welsh or Allardyce with McGregor because McGregor has pushed himself so far ahead. If you're playing, if you're playing a two, Robbo definitely at the start of the season, in my mind, thought that uh, Welsh and Carson were his first choice centre midfielders. I think he said and, that uh, as well. In, in, in potentially, the potentially neither of them can get in the team. Last question: We'll really ever make peace with Neil Parry, boys. I'll answer it first. He's a dick, um, but he's a lovable dick, and do you know what? He liked some tweets from our um, account on Twitter. So fair play, Neil Parry, but you're always my, always going to be mine now. Um, what about so, why don't uh, why don't you call out Neil Parry and you can have a charity boxing match? Neil, me and you, gloves on, in that KFC car park next to the ground at Aloha. Uh, the winner gets the, the winner gets a full. The winner gets a full gravy dipping bucket. I'm sure the right. I'm I'm, to to, I'm talking to my friend Kieran at Aloha and see if we can set this up for next summer, alright? Get it. Me and that skinny fat bastard will go square. <laughs> right, okay. Paul Irving writes, um, what would have happened in an alternative reality where Butcher rejected the move to Hibs and stayed with Callie Thistle? Okay, you can tell that um, I've finished work for, for Christmas because uh, I kind of like got quite into this. Right, we'd still have got to the League Cup final of 2014 and I think we'd have had a better chance of winning it because Aberdeen looked nervous and we'd have been a lot more direct against them than we were under Hughes and created more. We wouldn't have won the Scottish Cup and we wouldn't have finished third in 2014 or 15. 
because Butcher would have been much more cautious with Ryan Christie and he wouldn't have tried to go toe-to-toe with Celtic in a footballing sense in the semi-final or in any of the league games that kind of gave us confidence against him in the first place. We'd still have lost Billy Mackay, we'd still have lost Graham Shinney, eventually we'd still have lost Ryan Christie, but he'd have ended up at Aberdeen rather than Celtic because Butcher would have given him less game time and less freedom at shine. We'd have made better signings in 2015-16 and we'd have finished probably just the lower reaches of the top six, maybe about fifth. And then if Butcher had gone at the end of that season, then we still would have appointed Foran because he was cheap and Butcher would have anointed him as a successor. But Foran would have kept us up in about ninth or 10th because basically he'd have just played kind of Butcher no-nonsense style football instead of trying to play that kind of uh, confused hybrid of Yogi and Butcher that he tried to pull, pull off and, and yeah, couldn't. That seems bang on. Like. Jack Waddington writes... <laughs> Was taking away the opportunity to host the Scottish Cup final a bad move? Uh, I think it, I think it was an interesting idea. I think it was. I think it was. An, I think it was an idea. It definitely had legs. Um, there's nobody in Scotland at the time. There's nobody in Scotland going to football matches. There are 300, 600, 900 people going to football matches every weekend in the Highlands and the Tier One area. So why not allow? You know, this is this is a thing that people. Um, don't understand sometimes. Not everybody who's born into an area stays and lives in that area. There's fans of clubs all over Scotland. So there's lots of Celtic fans and uh, Rangers fans in Inverness, albeit they're actually born in Inverness. Uh, and there's lots of Hearts fans and, and Aberdeen fans all over the area. So yeah, if the Scottish Cup final had been played in Inverness, we would be 100% get 300 fans at the ground. But I can see why it's uh, a no-goer. Well, I mean, would you really want the embarrassment of seeing, you know, the ticket applications kind of oversubscribed 50-fold all by Inverness-based Celtic supporters and then it would get picked up on and, you know, the daily record and by Celtic and Rangers supporters going on about how we're shite and we don't support our local club and all that sort of stuff. I just don't think it reflects particularly well in the city. Right, OK, before we, uh, before we move on to competition time, uh, it's been alluded to in so many pods. Stevie, you've discussed it yourself on, you know, your own, you know, the, uh, the best 11s. The Christmas card list, there's, there's hundreds, there's literally hundreds of people out there listening to this and they want to know who's on your Christmas card list or who's not on your Christmas card list. I don't, I don't much have a list left, it's been full of season mate. Um, yeah, I've said that a few times this year but for me I've just got one and uh, he, a guy I hold close to my heart and uh, the man that got me through aerogenetic, the man whose Italian blood will always be close to my heart is Luca Rossi from the SPFL. Um, I think he's... He's been a night shining armour for a few of us over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I was luckily at you, Moff. I hadn't missed a minute of any game this season, but 15 minutes passed by, three cans of um, warm beer were consumed, and then Luca gave me that link that opened up a whole world of football to my eyes. So, Luca, Merry Christmas, uh, my friend. I don't know Italian, but grazie, my friend, and uh, Happy New Year. So, Luca Rossi is on my Christmas card list. Yeah, we could all raise a glass to Luca Rossi. So, competition time. Santa Claus, a cheery, jovial old toy master who brings cheer to all at Christmas, or a creepy fat man who sneaks into your house in the dead of night, eats your mince pies, fingers your crockery, leaves soot in your carpet, and some plastic shit from Argos on your tree. Well, we have our very own Santa Claus in the form of Stevie Rednose Riley. You, you've crept into many a house in the dead of night, Stevie, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, and always, always welcome at that time. Um, Stevie's going to spread some cheer by revealing our competition. We, we, we gave one lucky listener a Sean Welch's shirt last time, signed by the, the club captain. So, where do we go next? We go to Emerald Isle, Aviemore's finest, 
the jewel in the crown, which is our vice captain, Mr. Aaron Doran. We've got a limited edition ICT25 away shirt from last season, signed by the great man to give away to one lucky listener. And you can win that by following the pod on Twitter, liking and retweeting one of our posts uh, in the upcoming days. Um, by the time this pod goes out, then um, the post will have been sent. So, And we'll unveil the winner in, in an exclusive online video with Aaron uh, around the Christmas period. Don't know when that'll be, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, um, whenever we recover from hangovers. But somebody will win that, and it's a fantastic present. And it'll be a really great gift for somebody, uh, you know, it's going to be a really difficult time of year for everybody. Hi, this is Aaron Doran. Just a quick message to wish all the ICT fans uh, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. That's us for now. Thanks to everyone who has made it through this Christmas pish. Thanks, as always, to everybody for listening. But before we go, a musical interlude. Well, what key are we starting in? Fuck off. You know what I mean? If we all start this. What's our, okay, give us, give us our first note. And in a... It doesn't do it. And in a world of plenty, we can express my boy, my Throw your arms around your world. Christmas time. Do you want to do one at a time? I need to be better. Okay, I'll... And in our world of plenty, we can spread a smile of Roy McBain. Throw your arms around the world at Christmas time. But say a prayer, pray for the dingwall ones. At Christmas time it's hard, but when you're having fun. There's a world outside McGregor's window. And it's a world of dread and fear. Where the only water flowing. Is the bitter sting of tears. And the Christmas bells that ring there are the changing climbs of doom. Well, tonight, thank God, God it's them instead, instead of you. Everybody. And the world is moving forward this Christmas time. The greatest, the greatest gift they'll get this year is Dr. Detendence figures. figures. With nothing ever grows, grows. No, no rain, no rivers flow. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Feed the county. Feed the farmers. <laughs> Right, we will be back in the new year. We'll be reference the actual chat. That is going to sound fucking hideous. <laughs> we will be back. Right, come on. We will be back in the new year, fully vaccinated, hopefully. Right. Well, we're we're off to burn all our uh, t-shirts and posters of John Hughes. Take care of yourself and each other. Merry Christmas. Stay safe. Have a happy new year. And bye from everybody. Bye, bye guys. Merry Christmas. Merry bye, Christmas. Bye. bye for me. And bye for now. Bye.